0: Good morning. morning. Uh, My name is Andy and uh, one of the pastors here. And as I often say, it's always a privilege to be able to open God's word, have that opportunity. Uh, Ryan's the lead pastor. He usually does that most of the time, but it's always a privilege to have an opportunity to do so. And so uh, here I am. Uh, I like to begin with this thought here. Reality TV uh, can be very entertaining, we can think of the, the Great British Baking Show, we can think of uh, American Idol or The Voice or The Shark Tank. Uh, I'm sure that we have some uh, you know reality show fans here. And uh, those shows and many others are very, very popular today. One of the characteristics of these programs is that the idea is that someone is voted off the team. Every week, someone is voted off the stage or out of the game. Now, this morning, we're going to be looking at someone who's voted off the team. But there's a twist. There's a, there's a catch. He voted himself off the team. He, he really thought that he was disqualified from being a servant A disciple of Jesus Christ. He really thought himself ineligible to go to distance for Christ because of what he did. He messed up. I mean, royally messed up. And he just did not think he could go any further. And he saw himself as a failure. So he stepped away from the team and from God's purposes in his life. That's very important. Stepped away from God's purposes in his life. Now, that person's name is Peter, a disciple of Jesus. And he thought himself a failure. He thought himself a failure. But what does Jesus think? What does Jesus think? We want to uh, pick up the story in John chapter 21. you find it on page uh, 907 in your, your Bibles around you. And... Um, uh, we, we like to paraphrase, before we start verses 15 through 19, I like to paraphrase verses 1 through 14. Ryan uh, preached on this text last, last week. The disciples are fishing, and they're fishing all night long, but they come up empty, the nets are empty, they come up short. And uh, at daybreak, they're still in the boat uh, and, and tired, Again, probably a little bit disappointed because they had no catch, no fish. Jesus appears on the side, on the shore, and says, hey, cast your net on the, the right side of the boat. And they do so, they do so in a miracle, a big catch, 153 fish to be exact. So, so big that they could hardly you know, haul in the nets to the shore. John, the disciple who Jesus loves, he's the first one to recognize, oh, this is Jesus. And then Peter, and then the other disciples all recognize that this is Jesus. And together they bring this net to shore, and there they find Jesus around the campfire making breakfast. And then this just is remarkable. Jesus graciously invites them to have breakfast with him. Restoration is taking place. Restoration has taken place. Now, in verse 15, John chapter 21, verse 15, we uh, carry on this conversation that Jesus now specifically has, not with all the disciples, but with, with Peter. John 21, verse 15. When they... This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. God's reading for us this morning. I'd like to open with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you again for this opportunity not only to to have corporate worship, to sing to you, but but also together to hear your word. And we pray as we often pray, O Lord, um, may your spirit lead and guide us. Speak to us, and may we truly hear your voice through your word this morning. And this we pray. Amen. There are three truths that I would like to share with you from this text. Three truths. Number one, number one, we believe we believe our past failures disqual- disqualify us from God's grace, forgiveness and service. We believe our past failures disqualify us. It's very important for us to see this in this context that Peter really sees himself disqualified. He's saying to himself, I really messed up. I blew it. I'm unfit and I'm unworthy to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. He believes in a three-strike rule. Three strikes and you're out well, he, he is out of the game. He's done. He's checked himself out. Let's rewind a bit here on Peter's life story. In the beginning, and we saw this last week too, in the beginning when Jesus' ministry, in his ministry, Jesus calls Peter, Luke 5, to be one of his disciples. He's saying, Peter, I want you, I want you to be one of my disciples. And, um, and, and we read here, he says, don't don't be afraid. From now on, Peter, you will be catching men for me. Peter receives a, a new vocation, a new calling, a new career. He's going to be an apostle. He's going to be an evangelist for the Lord. All good, but, but we move on. Later on in Matthew, Matthew chapter 26, Peter says something very arrogant. He says something very arrogant and foolish makes a foolish statement. He brags about himself in front of all the disciples, in front of Jesus. He brags and he says, you know, I'll never leave you. Matthew 26, I'll lay down my life for you. Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. And Jesus responds and he's paraphrasing, oh yeah, really? Hmm, you know what, Peter? Before the rooster crows, you, Peter, will deny me, disown me three times. And then just a little bit later on, Jesus is arrested. And Jesus and Peter, Peter is, it finds himself in the courtyard where Jesus is being tried. And there, a young woman, a number of different people say to him, aren't you one of them? Aren't you, aren't you one of the followers of Jesus? Peter flatly denies it, flatly denies knowing Jesus. And the rooster crows, crows. Now, I think this piece that I just mentioned is so big. I'd like to read those passages for you. Matthew 26 is part of our story. It's all connected here in in the John 21 chapter. But we read in Matthew 26 these words. These words. Again, just to highlight how Peter acted here in the past. Matthew 26, verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Verse 69, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus in Galilee. Then he denied it before them, all saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came by and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter failed big time, big time. He messed up, he blew it, took himself out of the game. And now here now is the question for you and me this morning. Has anyone here today done that? Fallen into sin and taken yourself out of the game? You disqualified yourself from God's grace and from God's service because of something in the past. I had an abortion. I'm divorced. I've been in jail. I'm addicted to opioids. I'm addicted to porn. I swore at my children. I said some really stupid things on Facebook. I walked away from God and the church as a teenager. I've lied about people. I remember years ago a, a woman coming into my office and not here in Kansas City in another church and city I served. I remember her coming in and making a confession that she had lied about a coworker out of envy. She lied about a coworker that which led to this coworker being fired. And now here she is in my office still still years later, still filled with remorse for what she had done. She couldn't believe how ugly she was, how selfish she was. She was stuck in her spiritual and emotional state in that state, stuck in shame for what she had done. You know, I think everyone in this room, we all have our lists of sins and mistakes that we have made before God, where we failed God in the past. Some of us keep those sins and mistakes very close to us, to our own heart, to our own being, not letting anyone know what they are. And for some of us, we're plagued with shame and with guilt. And we say to ourselves, and we think of ourselves as failures, and and we have this tape, what I call the I Am Failure DVD tape, subconsciously playing in our heads, I'm a failure. I've blown it. And for some of us, it's very, very difficult. I'm talking about some people even growing up in the church, even church attenders, that they think, can God really forgive me for what I've done? And the bottom line is, for some, no, I don't think so. Like Peter, they think they're disqualified from ever being used by God in an effective way again. They've taken themselves out of the game. However, what does does God say? What's the good news? That's number two. With God, our failures are never final. Never. Grace always wins today. Do I hear an amen? Amen. I could end the sermon right here. (laughs) Grace always wins today. It's the message of the Bible. It's the message of New City Church. Notice in our story, and it's very important, that God, Jesus, God takes the initiative to seek out Peter and to restore him. And this is big. I think this is really big in the story. Jesus is modeling a gospel message here to the disciples. He's modeling a message here. Jesus doesn't fire Peter. He forgives Peter. He reinstates Peter. God allows people to start over. Grace always wins today. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter our past, we're not disqual- disqualified from God's love and grace. With God there is forgiveness. So how does Peter re- excuse me, Jesus restore Peter? Well, part of the answer is in the dialogue in this passage, Luke twenty-one, fifteen through 17, this dialogue. Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Peter says, uh, yes. He's, first of all, do you love me more than these? Probably referring to the other disciples around the campfire. But then he says, okay, then feed my sheep. And then he says it again, do you love me? And Peter again says, Feed my sheep. This exchange happens three times, and by the third time, Peter's hurt. what's, What's going on? The bottom line, Jesus is asking Peter, do you really love me with all your heart, affections, will, and actions? So why this same question to Peter three times? Perhaps, I think part of the story here, part of Matthew 26 reading, Jesus is admonishing Peter a bit here. Peter denied him three times, and so now Jesus repeats the question, do you love me, three times. Or perhaps Jesus is saying to Peter this. He's saying, Peter, if you love me, why are you in your old job profession fishing for fish? Uh, didn't didn't i give you a new calling a new vocation a, a new a new career to catch people for me then then why are you at your old job you're not fired you're restored you're reinstated now get back in the game and serve me and serve me our failures are never forever never god's grace always wins a day and i really think this story john chapter 21 captures the central message of the Bible. It's beautiful. God is merciful and God forgives. Psalm 103, one of my favorite psalms. I know Ryan talks about Romans 8, uh, but Psalm 103 is just beautiful for, for me. And there we read, God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Sounds a lot like Peter here. John chapter 21, God does not says treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Every failure, amazing, every mistake that we've ever committed before God, covered by grace. That's remarkable. You've heard me say this. From time to time, you just think about three mistakes, sins that you've committed a day. Usually that's by, you know, six in the morning for some of us. But three a day, a thousand a year, a lifetime, you live 60, 70 years. You've committed, fallen short of God's standards sixty to 70,000 times. And yet, by God's grace, they're covered by it is grace and blood. God does not treat us as our sins deserve. He forgives. It's the message of the cross. Jesus said on the cross, he said, it is finished. The one perfect sacrifice for sin was made. Jesus, who became sin for us, took our place. The scripture is very clear here. We're the ones that were guilty. We've sinned against the holy God, and we sin and we're guilty. We stand before God condemned and guilty. Jesus, this innocent one, one of us, takes our place, and He pays the penalty. He pays the debt, and so Jesus once again became sin for us, so that we could be cleansed from our sin. And declared not guilty. Phenomenal. Declared not guilty. Jesus' is one perfect sacrifice for sin and makes complete forgiveness and restoration possible. In Christ, his righteousness covers us. Declared not guilty because of his work. On the cross. If there is someone here today who is stuck in shame, stuck in the journey called failure, someone who believes and thinks that their past disqualifies them from a future with God to the fullest that God would want to give you today, here's the good news God fully forgives. Remarkable. God fully restores. His grace allows people to start over. And so right now, even with your eyes open right where you are, or if you want to close them, you may, ask him to forgive you. Ask him to remove the shame and the guilt and to restore you. There is a fresh start with Jesus. Do I hear another amen? Amen. amen. Now, this indeed is good news. But it doesn't even stop here in the story. There's a third truth in this passage. God says to you and to me, get back in the game. You're important to me. Serve people. Serve people. Get back in the game. Jesus said to Peter, get back in the game. Feed my sheep. Tend to my lambs. He says, I've redeemed you not just to sit on the sidelines for the rest of your life. I redeemed you because now I want to work through you to be a blessing to serve others. And we find that here also in the scriptures. We fast forward a bit in Peter's life. I think think Ryan touched on this last week too. We we, we find ourselves in Acts chapter 2. There's Pentecost. There's the feast of first fruits and harvest in Jerusalem. And it's a big feast. There's thousands upon thousands of people that have come to Jerusalem for this feast. And God pours out his spirit upon the disciples at this feast. There's commotion. There's misunderstanding in the crowd. What is really taking place? Who stands up to address this crowd? Peter. The one who had disqualified himself at one time to being used by God. Now, the power of the Holy Spirit speaks and is a spokesman for God. So God's grace interesting enough, restores Peter. And Peter's sermon centers on the life of Christ. His death, his life, his resurrection. It's remarkable what takes place. The outcome, we read in Acts 2.41, those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The result was beautiful. Jesus became a missionary in the early church. Peter... Peter, Peter become a missionary in the early church. Peter wrote two letters that we find in the New Testament. His life, he became his life. He became an instrument in God's grace, God's peace. God used him in a powerful, wonderful way. And notice the ripple effect. Notice the ripple effect of Peter's work and service. What happened to those 3,000 people? Not all of them most likely. Some were visitors from other parts of the, of the country and the world. It states that in Acts chapter 2. But for many that were in Jerusalem, notice how their lives transform When Christ becomes your center, when Christ becomes the center of the church, notice what happens. Notice what happens. And I paraphrase this. The pastor paraphrases Acts 2, 42 and following. Everyone was in awe. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold everything they owned, owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed the daily discipline of worshiping in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general like what they saw. Every day, their number grew as God added those who were being saved. All this, Peter was able to see and experience because he realized in Christ he was forgiven and allowed back in the game. Allowed back in the game. God, that God restored him and was able to use him once again. Now, I understand we're not Peter, and we're not apostles. So what's the application here? But in Christ, we are forgiven, redeemed, and reinstated on the team and into the team. In Christ, we have a place. In God's church and kingdom, we have a part to play. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Implies the service. So and there's a, a general application here this morning, not just to leaders, not just to Peter, but a general application. It applies to all of us. We should all care for the flock, the body, the church. And so and so this will look differently for all of us, how we serve. Jesus is saying to us this morning, not just to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? It's a powerful question. I thought about this a number of times this past week in my office, at home, and just doing life. This might make some of us feel very uneasy. Imagine sitting around the fire, a campfire with Jesus, and Jesus looking directly in your eye, straight in your eye, and saying three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? What would we say? What do your actions say? What does your lifestyle say? If we say, yes, Jesus, I love you, well, again, does my life and my lifestyle Reflect that. Is my life a life of grace, grace grace-driven, grace-giving? And then here's the question. Where are we serving Christ and church and kingdom? If you say, yes, Jesus, I love you, where are we serving Christ and church and kingdom? Where are you serving Christ and church and kingdom? Some of you know that uh, this is one of my favorite themes in Scripture, this idea of gifts and talents within the body, within the church. And we find in Scripture, the Apostle Paul, he writes uh, often about believers you know, uh, in, in the church uh, as, as a body. And he uses this metaphor, the symbolism of a human body. And the human body has many parts. We all know that. Fingers, hands, eyes, toes. Each part has a, pl- a place, a part to play, a niche. Nevertheless, each niche part contributes to the whole. And so Paul is saying that's the way it is in Christ. We all serve, but we have different places, roles, niches. And in Christ brings and establishes a new community, a new society. Amen. Let us pray.